Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Thank you to those who are engaging with the, uh, the readings. Uh, I, I have the joy of reading everything that's, that's posted. And uh, thanks uh, to Chris for reminding us about the readings, the Proverbs readings. And if you have not begun, if you're not connected, I understand that on the church Facebook page, there's a link if you need a, a quick way to get to it. And also on the Instagram page, uh, and, and if you're not part of Instagram or Facebook, that I, I guess create a profile and then you can get to it. Otherwise, um, Chris, who was up here at the front, Chris could definitely get you connected if you want to be part of that online reading together because I have really appreciated some of the insights, really great insights that have been shared uh, through those readings. So thank you to those. And thank you to those who shared last Sunday morning. Uh, who was here and just really appreciated that. And I, we, we trust that was a real encouragement and a reminder uh, that we are a family and we are meant to be here for each other and to encourage each other in so many different ways. And I'm, I'm glad we were able to do that last Sunday morning. Each Sunday we're focusing on a, on a practical theme from Proverbs. And, and last week it was, a, it was a matter of hearing from those who have been along the journey for a while to hear how God has been speaking wisdom to them, in them, through them, through his word. And as I reread the first three chapters this week, there were, there were two words that stood out for me, and that's what, what we're going to focus on today. Two words that stood out for me. And from those two, actually, there emerged a third, and uh, that's where we're going to go today, in Proverbs chapter 3. If you have a Bible with you of any kind uh, and you want to go there, feel free to. Uh, The text will also be on the screen behind me. The first word that I'm going to come to is mentioned nearly 70 times, nearly 70 times in the book of Proverbs. And in these first three chapters, the first four chapters, since today is the fourth, uh, it shows up a number of times. I want to invite you to read with me the first couple of verses from Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look primarily at the first six verses. Mark and I, by the way, did not coordinate for him to talk about Proverbs chapter 3 beforehand, but the Holy Spirit did. Amen? Isn't that cool? It's not as though Mark and I are not on good speaking terms, right? <laughs> but, uh, but the Holy Spirit does it. Let's read this together. My child... Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Now the person who is saying my child is the author of Proverbs. This is coming from Solomon. Just a a little bit of context there. And uh, there will be another person who will be speaking soon and we will get to that. The first word is heart, and that's why I've, I've put it in red. Red seems to be an appropriate color for the heart, right? Uh, and the heart refers to, and this is absolutely essential, absolutely crucial this morning. The word heart is not a reference to the 
fist-sized muscle that sits in the middle of your chest cavity. The word heart is a metaphor that is referring to your innermost being, the absolute foundation of who you are, the root of who you are, the, the, the inner person, the passion of who you are, just as, as deep and personal as you and I could possibly get the center of our being. In fact, in the New Testament, interestingly, I've been, uh, I've been up, last week I was, and, and one more time, I've been, a commitment that I had made a while ago that I've been going up to Listowel, to uh, the, the EMC there in Listowel. And last Sunday and the end of this month, we are going through the book of Philemon. And uh, I said that to somebody, and, and the response was, What? But Philemon is just this little one-chapter book, uh, one-chapter letter in the book of Philemon, or, or in, in, in the New Testament. And in the New Testament, in the Greek language, the word that is used about our innermost being is literally the word innards, or like intestines, or like guts, all right? It's not pretty. But the idea that's, that's, that's being gotten across or that's meant to be conveyed is that this is just as central as we could possibly describe. And so for the Hebrew language, the word heart is the word that was used to say this is the very center of your being. And I want to ask you this morning and ask myself, are you truly willing, am I truly willing to open your heart to God. And it may be that that was done before. It may be that to some degree it's been done. It may be that there's something going on in your life right now and it's just a little bit hard to say, you know what, I'm actually going to I'm actually going to surrender it all to God. And there are those of us who who don't maybe don't like to talk heart language. You know, that's a little bit too gushy, it's a little bit too mushy, it's a little bit too not who you are. But I want to tell you, that's who God is. Amen? And really the central ask this morning is, are we willing to truly open our hearts to God? It's one thing uh, to do what we think is right. It won't always be the same. Whether or not we're led by the Spirit won't always be the same from one person to the next about what they think is right. It's one thing to do what we think is right. Most people do, and uh, most people say that they want to do the right thing. It's quite another thing to open our hearts to God's direction, is it not? Because sometimes, maybe oftentimes, what I want to do will conflict with what God wants me to do. What I want to be may conflict at times with who and what God wants me to be. You ever experienced that? Oh, yeah. Are you and I willing to allow God's direction to come ahead of what we decide is right? Are we willing to allow God's direction to come ahead of what we decide is right so that we can be in concert with what God wants so that our desire truly is what God's desires are.
See, I, I believe the word of God is living. I believe it is, it is alive. It's not alive in the sense that it's animate, uh, that it's moving and walking, but it is spiritually powerful and alive. There is something about God's word that energizes. There's something about God's word that convicts. There's something about God's word that teaches. There's something about God's word that moves us. You ever been moved by God's word? God's word is alive. Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, which are completely linked. They are completely part of each other. But that's how living and active and powerful the word of God is. Able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I believe it's a good thing to say. Sometimes we need to allow the word of God to read us. Does that make sense? That we allow the word of God to come before so that we would be shaped and led by what God has revealed, be it through the written word or be it through the living word who is Jesus or be it through the the Holy Spirit who gives a rhema word which will never contradict the written word but will be the word of God. Word of God is alive. Amen? It is alive. And the living word of God, Jesus, he is alive. I am so excited to hear that there are going to be some people baptized. Are you excited about that? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is alive. He is resurrected. We sang about that. He is resurrected from the dead, literally resurrected from the dead. We believe that. And that is why there is something powerful about Jesus that is different from any other name, any other person. There is power. There is power. May it be that while it's one thing to do what we think it's right, that we would open our hearts to God's direction. Every day. It's not something we can just say, well, you know, I said that once, and, and so, yeah, well, I told God once, right? But it's, it's like that relationship of anybody that you're close to, that we convey love to one another every day after day after day after day. I do not like to go to bed without telling my son who's at home yet, without telling him I love him. And I believe that that's exactly what God is like with us, that he wants us communicating with him like that and understanding and living out and enjoying that relationship with the God who cares about us. Let's read the next two verses together. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and people. Don't let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around, around your neck and write them in the tablet of your heart. Some of the most conservative Jewish leaders literally would take the word of God and they would write it out. They put it in a little box called a phylactery. And they would put it around their neck and have it right here so that it was close to their heart. Or they'd ha they would have it literally right at their forehead, uh, as instructed in Deuteronomy, or as mentioned here in, in Proverbs. 
I take this more as a metaphor. I take this more as, as a direction for us, as it were, so to speak, just like the Lord wrote on the tablets of stone for Moses and the people of Israel that we would allow him spiritually to write his word into the very center of our being so that it would be our very part of our very life and part of our very breath, part of our very movement would be our association with and our following of the word of God. Kindness alone can be sweet. Like a little a little partial teaspoon of honey that I had, raw honey that I ate last night. But you know, just that alone, after a while, we're going to be deprived of what's all needed and we're going to get sick, probably, if that's all we consume. Kindness alone can be sweet with no depth. Can be. Truth alone can be bitter if it's just pounded on legalistically and it has no life-giving flavor. But together, kindness and truth are like the perfect sweet and sour sauce. Who likes sweet and sour sauce? Now, maybe you don't, so come up with something else. Uh, yesterday, we had a wings with, with uh, honey buffalo. That was a nice combination. Kind of like a sweet and sour. It was. Kindness and truth together are needed like that. Are we truly willing to open our hearts to wisdom? Because together when we take kindness and we take truth, we can expect to be living out wisdom. We can expect to be living wisely. We can expect to be following the Lord because that's exactly who Jesus was. Jesus was a combination of kindness, but he never backed down from the truth. He was an incredible and an important and the most important example to us of kindness and truth. It's one thing to know what is kind or to know what is true, but it's quite another to know wisdom by putting them together and allowing the Holy Spirit to be the one who is directing us in that way. Now, the last two verses. Here are the ones that Mark referred to. Let's read these together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will make your paths straight. Many people who consider these two verses to be the, the theme verses of the book of Proverbs. They say that these summarize and encapsulate what the book of Proverbs is all about. Some might identify other verses, but, but these are pretty commonly referred to as, as theme verses. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do you ever, people, ever hear people say things like, I gave that 110%. And then the next person who wants to show that he or she actually tried harder, I gave it 120%. And I heard somebody recently actually refer to somebody else saying, that person gives a 1,000%. It's actually not possible. Um, I I would suggest 100% is pretty good, right? Uh, to, to give all that we are able. I, I think that's, that's probably a pretty good thing. 
The point is that people are saying, I gave it all I had, right? I gave it all I had. Recently, the, the World Aquatics Championships took place. I don't know if you saw them. It was a few weeks ago. And uh, I, I, I don't enjoy swimming. I love to run. I like to cycle. I choose to swim. And so I watch those swimmers, and I marvel at what they can do and how they can just glide across the water like they do. And they give it their all, just like you do, just like I do, in so many things and in so many ways. The point of saying 110 or 120 or 1,000 percent, the hyperbole, the exaggeration, is to say, I gave it all I had, and maybe even then some. Are you and I willing to do that with God? That is a huge ask. Would you agree with me? But when we consider what Jesus did for us, I think if, if, if anybody could be described as having given a thousand percent, that's what Jesus did. There's nobody who gave more, who gave all that could be given than what Jesus did. Taking all that had been given to him and using it for the glory of the Father, using it for the good of the kingdom and the advancing of the kingdom. And that ultimate act of saying, this is a broken, dying, crazy, messed up world. And I will pay a price to see it redeemed. And to see the people who would follow me redeemed and saved from the sin, sickness, and the madness of so much of this world. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of good in this world. But there's a whole lot that needs to be saved. Are we willing to do that with God? Are we willing to trust Him? I've underlined a a couple of words in the next slide. And... It's the same text, but it's this word all. You say that word with me, all? All. We trust in the Lord with all of your heart. you imagine what that would take? So we are on a continual journey of giving more and more and learning more and more of what it is to be hearing the voice of God, to be hearing the direction of God, and to be obeying, listening, hearing, obeying, being and doing all that God would call us to. Do not lean on your own understanding. If you do, if I do, we will find ourselves often disagreeing with God. In all your ways, acknowledge God. In all your ways, acknowledge God. In all our ways. We don't have to do it publicly all the time. And we have to be careful. You might lose your job over it. Uh, and so we need, to be, we need to be wise and discerning. But in our spirits, we can be giving God praise all the time, giving him thanks for every good thing and every good gift from him. It's one thing to believe in God. Most people believe in God. And then what follows, the next sentence that often comes from people is, yeah, I believe in God and I'm a spiritual person. And that is a true, those are both true statements. We are all spiritual people. But the question then comes, it's a great question. When somebody says that to you and you say, I I, I don't know what to say to that. Then a great question to ask is, so what does that look like for you? Like, what what does being a spiritual person look like? And 
do you know Jesus? I mean, it's great because people will say, you know, a little of this, a little of that, a little of, a little of this, a little of that. And yeah, Jesus is good too. Have you really, have you really encountered him? Have you really, have you really gotten to know him? You really studied him? You really followed him? You really pursued him? And that's, that's, without, that's without condemnation. It's one thing to believe in God. It's quite another to trust him with all of our hearts. And let me be, be, be so honest with you to say that I don't always trust God with all of my heart. And I think you know that if I said otherwise, I would be lying. <laughs> Uh, we're walking through some difficult times right now and it is sometimes difficult to trust the Lord. But I will not stop trusting the Lord. Psalm 46.10 speaks so much to me. Be still and know. Be still and know that I am God. And in the context of that psalm, it was about war and it was about striving. And I understand from the context of that psalm, in Psalm 46, the point is, stop striving. Stop pushing too hard. Stop trying to get it done on your own. Stop trying to win the battle or win the war on your own. Be still and know from where your strength should come. And let it be God. Imagine uh, doing something that scares you. Imagine doing something that scares you. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of heights. And, and so I have, a, I have a picture here for you. And anybody ever, have you ever done that? Anybody here done that? If you do, don't invite me. I mean, you could even pay for my ticket. I don't, I don't know how much it costs. You could pay for my ticket, and then you can give it to that. I don't give it. Give it to somebody in need. I and take them and just don't take me. So I was I was looking this week. I was looking at at a bunch of pictures, and this is called the I, I don't know it's, it's the Death Walkers. No, that's not what they call it. But and 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 when I see pictures like that, and and they really show something of the depth of what's below, even that, it just, it just sends shivers through me. Uh, that's the kind of thing um, that scares me. Trusting God with all of our hearts requires that stepping off in faith, leaning out like these folks are in faith. This is madness. But you know that there are enough people who believe that selling out to Jesus is also madness. Have you met anybody like that? You are peculiar people. (laughs) But amen to that. Because it is in that madness as we follow Jesus that people will see something different. Because he has changed us and transformed us. And his wisdom is resident in us. And we're going to get to wisdom. 
was the first word. I said there are three words. The second one's going to be much shorter than the first. The first word was, you remember what the first word was? It was heart. The first word was heart. The second word isn't what, you, what, what maybe we'd expect. It's not a, it's not a, a noun like that we can talk about what it is. It's not a strong verb about doing something. It's just three letters long. And actually, the three letters are found in the word heart. Uh, again, it's found about 70 times in the book of Proverbs, but sometimes negatively, depending on what it's describing, what it's owning. And then oftentimes, particularly in the first four chapters and, and several more chapters after that, it's very positive. Do you want to know what the word is? Okay, I don't have to tell you. But I guess, I guess I'm here to tell you. So first word is heart. Second word is her. From verse 20 in chapter 1, it's the first time that, that this uh, appears, this word appears. And in each of the next three chapters, all of the four that we've read, wisdom is personified. And I want to read... I'm sorry I'm not there yet, but I want to read verses 13 to 18 of this same chapter. So, so from Proverbs, I don't have it on the screen, so feel free to follow along with me if you like. From Proverbs chapter 3, from verse 13, just listen to, uh, listen to the word of God. It is absolutely beautiful what is described here. Proverbs 3 from... Verse 13, how blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gains understanding. For her profit, that is wisdom, her profit is better than the profit of silver, her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels. Nothing you desire compares with her. And you can maybe hear that old song from from scripture and song. Long life. Length of days are in her hand. In her other hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. Will you just enjoy those words in that description of wisdom? For the English language, it's intriguing, and there's been lots written about it, even about the idea that this word her is used because somehow this is reference to a goddess uh, or something that God has created. But it's, I think it happens in part because it's intriguing in the English language that we don't do what most other languages do. And in most other languages, be it French or be it German, uh, be it Spanish, there are nouns like the word wisdom and they are either feminine or they are masculine. And there's a, you learn them and you get to know them and you get to know what their gender is. In German, there's actually a third and that's neuter. So you can either have der, which is masculine or you can have d which is feminine or you can have das which is neuter and it doesn't always necessarily make sense because there's a word in german for example the word for a young woman is das mädchen but you you see the 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 article 
is neuter. Now, the Maithkin is not neuter. I don't know why. I have no idea why. But it's to understand that in other languages, there's masculine, there's feminine, sometimes there's neuter. There are some words that actually can be used with either, and they mean different things. You know the word book? Many of you will from if you, you have, you have uh, nightmares of French back in, in grade school. Is the word livre, right? L-I-V-R-E. But, and, but if you make that word feminine, do you, does anybody know what it means? So in the masculine, it's a book. In the feminine, it's a pound. So that word, you need to know, is it the feminine or is it the masculine? Because it means something different. I say all of that to say, not because I, I, any of us really wants to have a language lesson. And don't get me wrong, because I believe there is great wisdom from women. Amen? But I don't understand this use of the word her to be a reference to somebody of a feminine gender. One of the reasons that it's the word her is used is because that word in Hebrew is a feminine word. I like the idea of allowing the feminine pronoun to remind us that God is the complete unity of both what we understand to be feminine and masculine. Is that okay? That God is the complete unity of what we understand to be feminine and masculine because God is not a man. God is not a woman. And we will, people will get caught up in saying, well, this must be some sort of a goddess because God is, God, is, God, is, God is a woman. God is female, not male. No, God is neither of those things. God is the perfection of anything that we could imagine. And God is the perfection of, 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 of what we could understand to be the best of masculine and the best of feminine. I believe the really significant point here isn't about that, but I, 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 wanted, I just wanted to speak to that a bit. The really significant point is that wisdom is not just an idea. Wisdom is not just a process. And neither is wisdom an equation, even like the one that I gave a few weeks ago. I gave a little equation and an acronym that I used with the word wise. But rather, wisdom is alive. And just like the word of God that we say is living and active, wisdom is living. Because wisdom comes from God. And wisdom, I I would suggest that God is indeed wisdom personified. Would you agree with me? That God is wisdom. In fact, Jesus is referred to in 1 Corinthians one twenty four. He is described as the power and the wisdom of God. And that would get us all confused. Is wisdom male or is it wisdom female? It's neither. Wisdom comes from and is from God. God is wisdom. And are we truly willing to give up our hearts? Are we truly willing to give up the core of who we are to lean out like those people at the top of the CN Tower trusting God? Because like God and like God's word, wisdom is alive, it is active, part of the very nature of God. And I believe God wants his wisdom to be alive in us. I believe God wants his wisdom to be alive in us like rich blood pumping through our being from a healthy physical heart. 
Wisdom will grow and flow from an inner being that is trusting and acknowledging God in all our ways. And I believe there will be times when we will even be surprised by the wisdom that God gives us because he is flowing through us by his spirit. Amen? May it be. You know, gold is currently valued at a little less than $1,500 an ounce. I I just looked it up. I I don't invest. But it was like $1,444 yesterday. So with 16 ounces making up a pound, roughly a pound of gold is worth about $24,000. You go, woo, what I would give for a pound of gold. But over and over, wisdom is described as being far more precious than gold. Far more valuable than gold. Far more precious than silver. Far more valuable than any jewels that could ever be mined and found. Because those jewels are worth what they are only because people have chosen to say that they're worth what they are. But wisdom is worth exponentially more than anything else that we could imagine. The outcome of this, and I'm almost finished, is the third word, which is integrity. The Lord by, I want to read just a few more verses. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth, by wisdom. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up. The skies drip with dew. My child, let them not vanish from your sight. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul, adornment to your neck. You will walk in your way securely and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden fear nor of the onslaught of the wicked when it comes for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from slipping and being caught. So the outcome is not a word that's found in the text, but the outcome from this is the word integrity. That we would be people who live lives of integrity. Because I believe that is just going to be a natural outcome of living lives that come from wisdom. Like that blood that's pumping through our bodies, our words will be truthful and kind and wise. Our actions will be reliable and honest and wise. Our behavior will be trustworthy and transparent and wise. Our thoughts will be careful and pure and wise. And our hearts will be committed and surrendered and wise. And that will be integrity lived out in our lives. I want to invite the musicians forward as I show you one final picture. I believe it was the 16th of July. It was the 15th, 50th anniversary of the launch of Apollo 11. And this craft is known as Saturn V. July 16th, 1969. It was all over the news in the last few weeks. And I, I give you this picture because there's no way that that vehicle could have made it to the moon without an incredible integrity 
of all of its components. You know what I mean? And, and, and there's a Washington, the, the monument in Washington, the Washington Monument, as I understand it, is actually modeled after this. And this, because it was just so prominent over the last few weeks, is a reminder to me about integrity no matter what it is that we go through. Even though that rocket had to make it up through uh, that incredible burning of the atmosphere to get into space, and then it was able, uh, through the technology of human beings who must give glory to God for any accomplishment that we have ever done, or we're in trouble. Amen? Or we are in trouble. And I'm reminded that that kind of integrity is the kind of integrity that I want to have spiritually of allowing the wisdom to flow through me. Let me ask you this question as we get ready to sing. The question is this, are you willing, are you willing to surrender and to give all of your heart to God? And so whether you're here for the, as a visitor, whether you've been here many times and whether or not you're a follower of Jesus, maybe you're curious, maybe you're struggling with your faith, maybe you're, you're strong in your faith. This is something we need to keep doing on a regular basis. It's not, it's not for me to, to guilt you and to say, I know you're not giving all your heart. I just know that I'm not all the time. And I want to invite you today. I don't often do this. Uh, but this, this message actually was not the one that I started with at the beginning of the, month, at the, beginning of the week. It was, it was very different. And I just, I really believe that God would call us. Even though there are fewer of us today, it's a long weekend, it doesn't matter. I just really believe that and I want to invite you today and I don't always invite everybody to come forward but I want to invite you if you would say today and you can kneel where you are please if you don't come forward I'm not going to judge you and say oh next time I see that person I'm going to remember that he or she was not giving everything to God because you might do it right where you're seated that's fine but I want to invite you as we sing this final song I want to invite you to the front I just, I just want to invite you in the middle of summer just together as a community to come before the Lord and say yes Lord I want to give my whole heart to you I've done it before I'll do it again I, I might do it again tomorrow I want to keep doing that not to get saved because we are in the palm of God's hand if we're followers of Jesus but rather it is about continuing to give up and to be led by wisdom, the wisdom of the Spirit. I will stop talking, but I want to invite you. Just come forward as, as we're singing. Just before the Lord, say, Lord, I just want to re-surrender or surrender for the first time everything to you. And Lord, would your wisdom and your Spirit fill me and flow through me for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.